0: Before we get started, I wanted to say thank you to the generous patrons of the podcast bringing you today's episode. You can support the show and receive access to bonus episodes at Patreon.com/slash/DiapersAndDisciples. This is Diapers and Disciples, episode sixty-three. On Diapers and Disciples, we're talking about living out the Great Commission as a mom. I'm Amber O'Hearn, and this is part four of our series on goal setting and intentionality in the new year. Today's chat is with author and speaker Sterling Jaquith. We're chatting about fostering deep friendships, simplifying and downsizing, and achieving goals while keeping our hearts and minds on Christ. Sterling was so lovely to chat with, and I think you're going to love her refreshing honesty on matters of motherhood and goals. Thanks for listening in today. Here's my chat with Sterling. Hi, Sterling. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here.
0: I'm really excited to chat with you. I have been a listener um, of Coffee and Pearls for a while. And so I'm just so honored that you would come and come and speak with me. Why don't you go ahead and uh, give us a little intro about you, your work and your family?
1: Absolutely. So I um, am an an adult convert. I was raised pretty much nothing and I converted to Protestantism um, when I was 23, 24. And then I I met my husband who was Catholic. And that's a very long story, but I, I ended up converting to Catholicism right before we got married. And so I've been Catholic since 2010. And my kind of entree into Catholicism was rocky. I had a really Mm bad RCIA class and kind of a lukewarm parish and not a great group there. And so I really had to discover Catholicism on my own, but I did that and I ended up reading tons of books and realizing that it wasn't so much that there were a bunch of lukewarm Catholics who knew the truth of Catholicism and just didn't care, I actually found that most people just were poorly catechized in the first place, kind of like I was, right? A bad RCIA class or, or really nothing, you know? And so that's when I decided I wanted to kind of dedicate my life to just bringing people back into the fold and saying, wow, did you know how cool being mm-hmm. Catholic is and and how great it can be and how it can be part of your everyday life. I think that's what I've noticed is missing the most. I mean, a lot of people might consider themselves culturally Catholic, um, Christmas and Easter, that kind of thing, but they're not necessarily living out the liturgy in their home every day. And so I basically talk about that in Coffee and Pearls and all the work that I do. Yeah, that's that's great. And
0: um, did you have a background in like writing and speaking? And has that been something you've always been passionate about? Or did that kind of come about now, with the conversion? And
1: I've always wanted to be a public speaker. So I knew from a very young age that that was my destiny. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not know, obviously, it was going to be religious. So that was a surprise. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I knew that I would do that. I, I've actually, I'm, I'm not a very strong writer, despite the fact I've written four books. I know people yeah. laugh when I say that, but um, it's not a natural gift of mine. Um, I've had to really struggle to do that. But I knew I wanted to be a speaker. And one of the ways that you kind of legitimize yourself is by writing books. And so I had to kind of claw my way through mm-hmm. <laughs> writing um, to do that. Uh, but it's not something that, i naturally enjoy or that i do easily and so i just like people to know that you know you may have a message on your heart and think oh i'm not a writer but the truth is god can work with your mm. passion and and you know you can eke out the skills that you need to in order to tell a good story
0: mm. i i love that you said that because i never would have guessed that so um I, yeah. it's, it's refreshing to hear that so that's really neat um and uh, what comes to mind when you think about how you personally live out the Great Commission as a, as a mom?
1: You know, first and foremost, and I love that you asked that question because it's such a Protestanty question, and I, <laughs> I just loved my time as a Protestant, and they're so good mm. at Bible studies and scripture memorization and making disciples, um, but, you know, I I always think about my children first, right? I, I kind of have this hope that each of my children, um, you know, brings more people to Christ than I do, right? Like that would be my, my biggest goal in life is that I've taught them so well that they're just like these huge beacons um, for Catholicism, whether they're pulling, you know, people who don't believe in anything or lukewarm people or Protestants, whatever it is, Um, You know, I kind of consider them the front line in my army, right? Mm. If I'm building an army, they're my generals. And I think that's because God has given them to me and asked me to do that. So even though they're small and the fruits of that won't happen for so, so long, I always know that's my number one job. So we do a lot of scripture at home and, and memorizing scripture. Um, we have a very Protestant-y feeling house mm-hmm. <laughs> because I just came from that. Um, but, and then, and then beyond that, my number one goal is to get as many people through Marian consecration as I can. So it's in every book, it's in every program I do. Um, I'll never stop talking about it. And, uh, I just feel like if I can lead people to do that one thing, then they will go lead people to Christ.
0: Mm. Yeah, I love that, and my husband and I have both done Marian con- consecration, and um, love it, and try to renew it every year. And I- I'd love to know uh, how you heard about that, and and why you're so passionate about it.
1: Yeah, it was an accident, actually. I was, um, I put, I was putting on a conference in Portland, uh, a women's conference, and you know, when you're putting on a conference, you have a very different experience than the people who get to go. Right. right? And so you're like, is the food okay? Are the speakers happy? And so you're kind of buzzing around, not really getting to talk to anyone. But I noticed a few times I would be standing working on something and I would overhear a group of women talking about 33 days to morning glory. And I was like, well, that Bible study must be awesome because so many people are talking about it. Mm. Um, and I literally did not read anything about it. I just went online and I bought it. And I thought, great, I want to do this Bible study because that's what I thought it was. <laughs> and um, and so my husband and I did it with another couple. And of course, we, we opened it up and I'm like, what? That is not at all what I thought right. it was, you know. And I, I have to say, being a Protestant, you'd think I'd have more Marian hangups, but I really didn't. I wasn't reluctant to do that. Um and I think that that book was such a great entree for me into that whole world. And so, I mean, you can't help but be changed through that process. So I don't know at what point in the 33 days I really, you know, became such a strong believer in it, and it made me want to ma- make that part of my mission, but it really does that. And I feel so confident about it that, you know, I tell people this will change your life and I haven't had anybody come back and say it didn't. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. You know,
0: that's awesome. I, I love that. That's part of, you know, your mission and what you feel like, um, God's so did, you, did, you do it, did you do it with
1: your husband by yourselves? You guys just did it
0: at home. We actually, so we did it for the first time. We had served on a team of missionaries together, uh, before we were married with net ministries. Um, and so we did it as a team actually together as a team of missionaries. Um, that was the first time we did it and then um you know I renewed it individually after that and then um when my husband and I when we got married uh we would do it where we'd renew on the same um feast day basically the same Marian feast mm-hmm. day and actually this year um we our pastor um is he just I I love our parish priest he, he just like loves his flock and like you can just tell just you know, cares for our souls. And he had been encouraging the parish, um, to make a consecration, um, you know, individually, of course, but that we could do it together, um, go through it together as a parish ending on a particular feast day. And so he had actually bought, um, like copies of true devotion and was like handing them out at mass (laughs) so that we could do it together as a parish. So that's how we renewed it this year. And, um, I've done thirty-three days to Morning Glory, um, but I usually use um, Saint Louis de Montfort's um, the total preparation for consecration. So I don't know. Have you have you done? Yeah, you've done both, probably.
1: Yes, and so I tell people like when I meet someone, I kind of learn a little bit about them to find out where they're at. I mean, when I was a baby Catholic, um, I really I feel like I needed. Father Gately's version, right? Mm. If you had handed me True Devotion, I think I would have been like, no, I'm, I couldn't have hacked that. <laughs> sure. um, but the more I read, like if, you're, if you've are if you been reading books for a long time and you like kind of serious meaty books like that, um, you know, I think you can dive right in with True Devotion. And that's the one I use every year now to make my consecration. And I do it on November 21st. Because of course, you know, once you read that book, it's so hard to go back. It's so beautiful mm. and lovely. Um, but when people ask me, I tell them both are great and I kind of feel out where they're at and then make a recommendation based on what I think they should kind of start with. Mm.
0: Yeah, I, I feel similarly. I, I really enjoyed both of them. And yeah, I think they're both um, a great way to make the consecration. So very neat. Um, well, Sterling, I wanted to ask you because I am a part of a, a women's group here locally, and we just started um, the James and Avila study that you put together. And I, I just can't, I, I, I speak so highly of it to everyone because it has been so wonderful for our group in particular, and I'm sure for many groups, um, because there's something about it that just kind of gets us to dive a little bit deeper. And so I'd love to hear a little bit about um, what inspired you to write the study and put it together
1: yeah well, obviously my my Protestant roots, which i which I reference all the time even though they were only like a year and a half <laughs> that, that I was a Protestant, but it was a really impactful year and a half for me sure um, but you know, I just I was part of a couple Bible studies in that time that were so deep and you know they were this lovely mix of kind of tough love and mercy. And really hard questions. So I remember we were just always grappling with the ways we were struggling as Christians. And I've done a few Catholic studies um, and some that I've liked more than others, but I I found that a lot of them were lacking those hard, tough questions of each other. So Mm -hmm. sometimes it would say, you know, it would talk about Mary um, and it would say, you know, do you really believe about, you know, the Immaculate Conception, or can you work Mary into your life a little bit more? But then the conversations that follow questions like that are like, "Yes, of course we could," and they're kind of, you know, I don't want to say shallow, but they don't continue on after you say, "Yes, we should be better about that." Right? Um, but I find that when you ask people really pointed questions, like, "In what situations do you find yourself gossiping?" You're like, oh, you can't squirrel your way out yeah. <laughs> that one, like you got to just answer it, and we have to answer it together, but the real reason I wrote it was because over and over again, I hear women say, I don't know how to, to build deep friendships. That was the actual problem I was hearing, so they weren't asking for a Bible study. They were saying, I'm lonely, and I don't know how to build deep friendships, and of course, you can't build deep friendships if you don't talk about serious things mm-hmm. because, you know, you can go to the playground and stand next to a mom and say, Oh, I have three kids. And you know, I like these things and that's great, but you're not going to walk away feeling like she's part of your tribe. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And the only way to create that is to like, talk about some yucky stuff and hold each other and say, wow, first of all, I'm doing it in a group, which was Was really interesting. I I actually didn't expect that I would, but somebody in Boise invited me, who didn't know me. She was like, "I'm gonna, yeah." And I was was so nervous to go because I knew what the questions were, Amber. Right? I knew (laughs) what they were, and um, and it has been so interesting that that this group of eight women, none of whom, by the way, really knew each other Mm. before the group started. Wow, um, had become instantly so close even though we just come from totally different places. um, But we are all struggling with such similar things as Catholic moms Mm -hmm. in this world. And I think the James and Avalis study does such a good job of showing us that like your fears are not unique, probably, Mm -hmm. you know, we all have them. And so I found that that's, that's what's true or what's happening out of the group. I was hoping that would happen, mm-hmm. right? I was hoping people would dig deep and be brave. But so far, everyone I've talked to has said that that is what's happening and it's incredible. Mm,
0: that's so great. Yeah, we've we found that as well in our group. Do you have an intention to have future studies that are similar to this?
1: Um, I do. Um, I wasn't going to do them as soon, but it's it's almost like eight weeks after I published that. Now I'm getting emails from people (laughs) asking me about the next one. So Amber, I'd love your opinion. I was thinking about doing one on joy because the James and Avila study is so heavy. Mm. Um, And I just kind of, I keep waffling on it because the heaviness of it is what people like so much. And so... I just can't decide. I mean, part of me feels drawn to this, like, how do we have joy even when life is hard? And Mm. I think that's such an interesting topic to sit with. Um, But I also want to maintain this like meatiness of a program so that we keep sharing and and opening up and building these deep friendships. Mm.
0: Yeah, I love that. I actually think joy would be a great thing, especially for moms, because I think it's easy to kind of get uh like stuck in a rut or like in the mundane of you know the tasks for the day and and to not feel that joy and feel like it's hard to choose joy and so um mm. i think i think that'd be great i would love something like that <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. I, th- I think i'm going to i think i'm going to do mother teresa cuz she when i think of joy i mm. think of her like if you can have joy in the slums of india like you can you can have joy anywhere yeah. right um But I haven't figured out which Bible, which Bible chapter I want to focus on yet. So I think I will do that and and pretty quickly and throw it out. The other thing that was so important to me was that I wanted it to be free and Mm -hmm. I wanted it to have no homework. Yeah. Because I just that's the whole thing. Like moms need to just be able to show up because that's already hard. Right. It's already hard to get your kids in the car. And show up. Right. And so I didn't want there to be any homework and I didn't want, you know, it to cost twenty five dollars a person so that people had to kind of decide if they could afford to grow in Christ. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's great. That was just a great decision because um that was a factor in us choosing, you know, this particular study. We were looking at a few different studies and um we were so thankful to to see that it was available for free for yeah. us to do and um that that is nice because i think that could be an, a hindrance for people in in choosing to do a study or not so that's great um so i'm i'm thinking about for moms who you know we're in january now this will probably release maybe in early february and um people who maybe have a goal of like i want to make friends this year, like have deep friendships and build community. Do you have any tips for moms just for getting started in that?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think the first thing I tell moms, and I do, I get that question probably every week, like, how do I make friends? (laughs) Um, Is that literally all moms are sitting in their living room thinking that right mm. they're all like i'm lonely and i don't have any friends like if you as soon as you've left high school or college it becomes almost impossible to just like casually make friends without having to be a little awkward and so this is what i do and it is so awkward just just acknowledge that to yourself <laughs> is that i yeah i will go to someone i'll say i like this i would really like to be friends with you mm. um I would like to spend more time with you. So you already feel, by the way, like you're asking someone out, you know, when you say that, (laughs) like it's going to have that same energy to it. Okay. And I, and I say, and I I would love to spend more time with you. That's important to say. Mm -hmm. And then I ask, is it easier for you to have us over to your house? And I don't care if you clean it or cook anything for us, or would it be nice for you to just show up and I can make you some tea and you can hang out at my house? Because there Mm -hmm. are really two different types of people and they will have a preference for one of those things. So if you want to make friends, you have to be open to, to just finding out and then serving them in the way that they need to be served. Right. That's Cause some bad. moms are, and it's actually the extroverted or the introverted moms I find that don't want to leave their house. So they're so glad that you said, can I come over, which feels awful, right? Amber to say, <laughs> can I come over to your house? That that sounds terrible, but they are so shy that they don't want to ask you and they don't want to leave their house. Mm. And so I've never had anyone not answer that question and either say, oh, I would love to have you over, or I would love to come over. Um, And then I press them and I say, how about Wednesday at 10? Because a lot of times you'll leave it just at the the question and everyone goes, yeah, that sounds great. Um, But if you don't actually schedule it, then you both go home and you're like, wait am I supposed to text her? I don't know. Should I email her? And then we have this like identity crisis over how we should contact people because we (laughs) don't know how to do that anymore, right? We're like, should I Facebook Messenger (laughs) her? Would that be weird if I friended her? Are we friends, you know? And so you've got to deal with it when you're together so you don't go home and have that kind of Hmm. question pop up. Hmm.
0: Wow. I love that so much. And I love the idea of understanding that there's kind of like different kinds of people where some people would prefer an invite over to your home, but some people would prefer just to stay home and have you come to them. And I, yeah, I think that's such an interesting, interesting observation that for introverts, they might not even like feel comfortable saying that. So for you to be able to say, if it's easier for you, we could meet at your house. Like that probably takes the burden off of them as well. And yeah. So I love that you said that really great. So, um, also thinking about goals for the new year, you know, beyond community, I know you've done a lot with goal setting with, um, you know, I know, I know you've like a Catholic minimalism challenge and like health and spiritual goals you've done and even like Catholic mom goals. And I would just, I would love to hear just kind of the different things that you have available to help people kind of achieve those goals.
1: Yeah, so that is something that I probably also knew from a young age that I was going to work on. I've always loved setting goals, and I and I love doing it with other people. Um, and so my first book, Catholic Mom Challenge, does have a lot of goal stuff in it. And it talks about, you know, how are we supposed to become – Christians, but also take care of the laundry and then these little children and to not Mm -hmm. lose ourselves. And so um, in that book, I kind of laid out a system for moms to manage all of that. And it has to be different for every person. And so uh, one aspect of every system that I talk about is flexibility and just really getting to the end of the week and saying, Hey, what worked this week and what didn't work? We get so emotional about what we think we should be doing. And I think especially new moms drown in those shoulds, right? Mm. And as you get older, you naturally let go of that. But even even some older moms, you know, I'll they'll they'll tell me, Oh, I'm drowning, and I'll have them describe their life. And they'll say something like, Oh, and I just I never mop the floors is a great example. Mm. I'm like, well, who cares about that? Do you care about that? And she's like, no, I just I feel like I need to do it. And I'm like, why? If you don't care, because I've met, you know, you know, if you're one of those cleaning people where it really, it steals your peace if things mm-hmm. aren't clean, you know, if you're one of those people. But if you're not one of those people, there's like no cleaning police, right? They're not going to come mm-hmm. to your house. like You did not mop your floors this week. And so one of the ways I protect myself is I just don't do stuff that isn't important to me. Mm -hmm. at all. And Mm -hmm. I just give myself that permission. And so Catholic Mom Challenge is a book and it talks about that. Then I also do a a goal setting program every year. Um, And this year I changed the name. It used to be called Catholics Crush Goals. Um, But then Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit just kind of shook me up this last year and I changed it to Catholic Women Shine. Mm -hmm. And I created a planner that's just for goal setting. So it's important to set goals, but then also to stay really connected to them throughout the year. And so for those of you that just, you know, made goals in January, I would just really encourage you to set a date on your calendar right now in February to revisit them. Because so few of us even just do that first step, right? Mm, yeah. That's really the secret to to achieving your goals is just to review them all the time and then to tweak them all the time. So my goals at the beginning of the year almost never match my goals in August, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, give yourself that flexibility too, that if you get pregnant or your husband has a job change or, you know, one of your kids has some health issue come up, like, of course, what you're going to focus on is going to change. And so we have got to, learn how to be a little more flexible because otherwise you're just going to live under boulders of anxiety and guilt. Hmm. And I think that's one of the things that's crushing American moms right now is we don't know how to lighten those boulders and just kind of set them down and say, this is what's important to me and I'm just going to do those things only and I'm not going to worry about the other stuff.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's so freeing to, to think about that. Um, I love that you mentioned the mopping the floors, because I, <laughs> I feel like that is totally me. And I, I don't have the natural inclination to, you know, keep up with like a weekly chore list or whatever with mopping right. or things and like that. that's why we don't and, do it,
1: because we don't yeah. value it. And we, right. we know we don't.
0: Yeah. So it's so freeing to realize, well, is that important to you or... That's that's just great. I, I love that, and um something that I I love with with everything that you have and um I know you talk about this being an important part um of your life in achieving your goals is that um like Christ has to be part of that. You know, there's so many goal setting things out there um, that miss that component, and I I love how you talk about how. You know, we're striving for what we're striving for is sainthood, and so our goals and um, you know our our passion projects and things that we want to do should all be kind of oriented towards that. Is that something that came about with uh, with like your conversion to Catholicism and and reading
1: more? And yeah, I mean, for me, it was definitely Matthew Kelly that kind of. Introduced me to the idea that we were made for to be saints, and that we should mm-hmm. anchor everything into that. I love, I love his books about the seven levels of intimacy. Um, mm-hmm. That would definitely help women with their marriage and building friendships. But also, his book "Building Better Families" talks about how you can do that, you know, in your everyday family life, which is great. Uh, but when we look at our goals through the lens of Christ, and one of the reasons I made this my planner. So, you guys can read about it at CatholicWomenshine.com. You can look at the planner and you can download all the worksheets for free. So, you can Mm -hmm. get those at any time. Um, The course is closed right now, um, but I do it every January. And one of the things, one of the reasons I made that planner is because I had seen a lot of people talking about power sheets, which is about cultivating an intentional life. And the power sheets lady, Laura Casey, she is a Protestant, um, but for some reason, her planner, even though she's completely open about her faith, the planner didn't talk a lot about Christ. And I thought, well, what a missed opportunity hmm. to make a goal planner and not anchor it in Christ and have that actually be the place we start and that we should rub every goal that we have up against, hey, is this helping me walk towards God or is it helping is it causing me to walk away from God? because hmm. everything can be... Good and everything can be bad. Like you can love knitting and have it be an outlet for you, but if you're kind of swatting your children away and getting and going down the rabbit hole of knitting projects and not taking care of your prayer life, then it becomes a terrible thing. Mm -hmm. And I would say, you know, you got to get rid of that, or you and really, I would say get rid of it until you can balance your prayer life, right? Hmm. And so I think all all goals should start with that question, right? And is this helping me walk towards God or is it helping me or is it causing me to walk away from him? um, And how can I fix that if it is something that's still important to me?
0: Hmm. That's great. Yeah, I love that. Um, I wanted to specifically ask you as well about um, simplifying, like simplifying Mm -hmm. your life and um, our stuff. (laughs) And uh, because I know you've you've written about that and you have a challenge about it. And I'm imagining if that is someone's goal for this year is just kind of simplifying their life and being able to maybe downsize a little bit. Do you have any just like initial tips for for getting into that?
1: Absolutely, I think um, I want to answer this for two types of moms because there's there's some moms out there that have you know one kiddo or two kiddos and and they're living those those hard first years where you're just kind of staring at them and they don't and, and they kind of I want to say ruin all of your time in a way but it you're not doing much, right? So you're staring at them and you have to like interact with them. Um, But it's not interesting. Like when your kids get older, it's, you know, they fill up your time in a very different and interesting way. Um, And I was very blessed that someone told me that they said, you will be in the tunnel, what she, what she called the tunnel of motherhood until your oldest is six. And she Hmm. said, it doesn't matter how many kids you have or what's going on. It's pretty dark, until your oldest is six, and I found that to be true for myself. As soon as you've got a six-year-old who can tie shoes and get water and just some of these really basic things, right. um, it really lightens up your day-to-day mothering life. So, I'm going to answer the simplification simplification question for the younger moms. Um, part of it is just know that it gets better. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember when I had one kiddo, and it was so awful, and I was like is it twice as awful if you have two kids (laughs) Um, and that's not at all how it works as they get older, it gets better. And actually the more kids you have, the more routines you put in place. And then it just feels so much more lovely. And so that seems kind of counterintuitive when you're staring at a nine month old and you're like, Oh my gosh, this is just so painful. You know, (laughs) this is not what I thought it was going to be. Um, and so, the first simplification tip for those younger moms is just to know that you're going to have to grow into it. It, Time is actually the only thing that's going to make a difference. Um, And then again, to let go of those shoulds, especially when you have young kids, we fall into this trap of looking online and being like, oh, I should be doing Montessori activities with the kids all the time. And we should focus on one letter every day and have activities that are all about (laughs) letter A and apples, right? And you kind of drown in that. And then you feel awful about yourself because who's doing that? No one's doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You're like, everyone cried and it was awful, you know? (laughs) And so... I, you know, just let it go. I mean, I, I wish I would have done way more things for myself in those first three years. Um, like really just focused on me and then brought the kids along cause they're not doing anything anyway. Um, and so I wish I would have just gone for more walks to places that I liked and I hmm. wish I would have, um, you know, just realized that I could do house projects and the kids could just sit at the floor while I did them. Um, but instead I, I, Stared at them and thought that's what I was supposed to be doing, and then of course that makes you lose your mind when you're just doing nothing but trying to make a baby happy. Um, and so I would just say focus on on you and let go of some of those should things um, about younger kids because as long as you love them and you're with them, right? I mean you're not going to ignore them and let them cry for 15 minutes because you're like, well I'm painting this wall right now and that's important to me. <laughs> you know uh, you have to serve them, but. You don't have to make everything about them. And I wish I would have taken advantage of those first few years and done more self work because I had way more time to do that than now when I have five kids. And um, you know, I just don't have as much time hmm. to do that.
0: Wow. I'm so glad you said that because um, I don't think, um, you know, I'm at like 60 episodes now or something. I don't think anyone has ever said that on the show. And I'm just, that's really uh, insightful and I think freeing for um young yeah. moms who are listening and um yeah I just really appreciate that perspective so thanks for thanks for sharing that
1: Yeah. Um, Another example I use is like when you have a three year old and you're a one year old, and you're like, wouldn't it be really romantic if we went to the zoo? Right. You think it's going to be great. Um, And then you go to the zoo and it's hot and they always fall and scrape their (laughs) knees on the concrete and everyone's crying and they want a $19 elephant ear. And you're like, why? Why am I (laughs) doing this? It's so terrible. Right. And you just thought you were going to be mom of the year. Right. And so, you know, like, what I learned to do with my kids is it would actually take way less time to just walk through PetSmart or through Cabela's. We have a Cabela's here and we like walk in and we're like, look at those fish. Yay!" And then I put them (laughs) back in the car and we go home and it was free and it was 15 minutes away. And it, and it did the thing that I wanted, which was make the kids happy about the fish. And then we went home. Um, and like, that's just one of those like rookie moms versus you know, wisdom moms kind of things that you figure out along the way.
0: That's great. I love that. I love it.
1: Yeah. And so for the moms who are busier, uh, two things, two things that have really, really changed my life. One, my kids eat the same thing for breakfast Monday through Saturday. Okay. And here's what we do. We cook up a ton of sausage or ham. We flip flop, whether it's ham or sausage in a huge skillet. And then we ninja it. You got to cut meat up really small. Otherwise the kids would be like, I'm not going to eat that. <laughs> um, so we, we cut it up real small and then I put it in a Tupperware container and then we crack five dozen eggs at once and we pour them into juice containers. Okay. So in the morning, when you wake up and everyone's already crying or being upset and mornings are so hard, um, all I have to do is scoop some meat into a pan that's already cooked and pour over some eggs And then give it to the kids. Some of them like a little cheese on it and some don't. Mm. But here's why that changes your life. One, you start your day off feeling good about yourself. Because when you start your day off and you've slept in which we all want to do every morning because we're exhausted. And then you're like pouring the cereal and you're like, I really don't want to be a cereal mom, but you're just doing it because they're already upset. Right. And then the other thing that follows that pretty quickly is about 20 minutes later, they're still hungry and they're kind of crazy because they just had a bunch of carbs and sugar. Right. Yeah. We intuitively know this, but we can't seem to get out of it. Right we just keep falling into that habit over and over again. But if you can start their day off with eggs and meat, it really sticks to their stomach. They have the right kind of energy and it buys you so much time. And like I said, you feel great about yourself. It's Mm -hmm. like you start the morning being like, okay, at least for five minutes, I was kind of the mom I want to be.
0: Hmm. So is it like an, I'm trying to picture it. It's like an omelet that you're making in the morning but everything's it's a like scramble pre- oh it's a, scramble. a scramble got it okay yeah
1: so i just i scramble it up and um, and here here is here is one thing that I do cater to because I'm not a short cook mom, but two of my kids like the eggs to be kind of glistening, like a little more wet, and two of them like them to be really dry. Yeah. and I respect that. I'm like <laughs> cool. So I I pull I pull some of the eggs out a little early, and I cook some of them a little bit longer. Um, and uh, you know, as an adult, you have that preference, right? And so that's one of those things that I I feel okay with doing for them, and and I try to find these little ways of just honoring their individual selves without doing it in a way that makes my life crazy.
0: Mm, yeah, I love that. I and I love that this is like a morning thing cuz then you're setting yourself up for success <laughs> for the rest yeah. of the day cuz it's something you do right away in the morning that you can feel good about. Um, yeah, that's great. I love that.
1: As we do, you know, when you're pouring sugar cereal, you're like, as you're pouring, you're like, I'm compromising myself right now. I mean, <laughs> even if it's what you need to do right. and Hey, we have all had seasons of survival where it's what we need to do, of course, but you're like, yeah. you're, not, you're not feeling awesome when you do that. And so that's why I love putting a breakfast routine in place first. Cause yes, it just, it just starts things a little bit better. Hmm. You know, do
0: you have something similar for the rest of your meals?
1: We don't actually, um, in terms of, you know, the, the more clean you eat when, so when you take out like box food and prepared food, and it took us probably three years to do that. Right. So, you know, you're not going to wake up in January and just be like that. You're not going to be a paleo mom all of a sudden. Um, but when, the more you eat like that, the more you really just have, protein, vegetables, and spices around. Mm. So it's funny. A lot of people ask me about meal planning. And and even though our our life is very routine, uh, we don't meal plan other than that. I always have meat thawing and I always have vegetables, Mm. but then I kind of just get to dinner and I'll be like, okay, do we want pesto chicken or barbecue chicken? You know, and we just kind of pick some sort of sauce or herbs and then we make vegetables. And most of the time, I have a giant batch of rice or sweet potatoes that I've made once a week. And, and so the kids eat that, but my husband and I don't. Um, and, and then they eat the same thing for lunch. So we, we do lean on leftovers pretty heavily. So I certainly am not making dinner every night. I probably make dinner every two or three nights. Um, because that also will, will ju- it just makes you crazy if you literally get to 4.30 and they're already crying. Um, and then you're like, what are we eating? And what do I even have? And, you know, that's when we lean on things that we we don't want to. Hmm.
0: That's interesting. I like that because I, when I, you know, talk, talk about simplifying with people, um, you know, people tend to say, oh, you have to have a meal plan. You have to have a meal plan. But I think this is like a great alternative if that doesn't really fit fit you or resonate with you like just having a healthy meat healthy vegetables and then you kind of have one of you know you have those and then you're set up for for your dinners and um, yeah I think that's an interesting way to do that yeah I'm glad you mentioned it
1: absolutely and so uh, you know and you can get there I I find it's funny like the when we meal plan we tend to meal plan really um, involved in creative foods and so then Mm we go out and we buy all of that stuff Um, but then a lot of times you only use that stuff one time and that's why your fridge and your pantry has so much stuff in it. Um, even though you're, you're not eating like that very often. So yeah, it's definitely something I talk about for minimalism. Um, and I am a minimalist, even though I have five kids in a giant house. Um, and the way (laughs) I do that is we just, we wear the same things over and over again. We eat the same things over and over again. I mean, the sauce may change, but we're pretty much eating chicken or ground beef every night, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and and we don't have that many toys either. And so we we play with the same things over and over again. And the less stuff you have, you just find that your your peace level instantly increases because you're just not thinking about and managing so many details. Hmm. How how
0: did you get to that place of being able to uh, downsize the stuff, like whether it be like in the pantry or um, kids' toys? I'm thinking of like those are some like hot spots for me. Right. Uh,
1: Absolutely. Um, Well, first of all, understand that because my husband and I both had hoarding grandparents, that fear was planted in me pretty early, right? I've never accumulated a lot of stuff because when you see someone who's a clinical hoarder, it's such an ugly behavior. And it's so sad that, you know, you don't want to be anything like that. So to be fair, I've always had that natural bent. Um, But it also gets easier the more, at least the clothes, I will say first, the clothes get easier the more kids you have. When I only had one daughter, I think she had like 10 dresses, right? Something crazy because people just give you clothes and the clothes just show up and there's clothes everywhere. Um, And I remember she had, you know, a blue dress and a black dress and a silver dress and a gold dress. And we had to have the right kind of shoes. You know, you can't wear the black shoes with the blue dress, I would tell my husband who thought I was a crazy person. Um, (laughs) And so, that's how you live for a while. And you don't do laundry that often when you only have one kid. Mm-hmm. And so by the time you're doing laundry more often, then you can have less clothes. So now we do laundry every other day. And that is our system. We, we just asked, did we do laundry yesterday? No. So today's laundry day. That's as simple as it is. And we wash everything and we put it away. Every other day, uh, but guess what? That means we really only need three outfits, really. Yeah. And as soon as you get to that place where your your laundry is happening frequently enough, you can really pare down your clothes. My mm-hmm. girls now have two church dresses. They have um, a purple one for Lent and Advent, and they wear the same dress for all of Lent and Advent. Um, and then they get a different dress, their other dress for Easter and Christmas, and then. Whatever dress that is is the dress that they wear for the for the reg for the other times, Um, and both dresses go with silver shoes, so they have one pair of church shoes. Uh, And so immediately now I don't have all of that stuff, all those dresses and shoes to to look after, and that is something that just is a lot easier when you have more kids because again you just get into a rhythm of of doing that. If I had to go back, I think I still would do that. I would still choose the one church dress thing if I only had one daughter. Um, but I don't think you can fake doing laundry all the time. And I probably wouldn't have done that. So I probably would still have five outfits or seven outfits or something like that. If I just had one. Girl. I, I just don't think I would do the laundry every other day just for the the sake of minimalizing yeah, the clothes. That makes sense. And then, f- and then for toys, Amber, let me tell you, If you put all of your toys away right now and you just put out two things, they'd be happier. They play with those things more. It seems so counterintuitive to us because we're like, look at all these learning opportunities that I've given you, you know. Um, But they they don't. They want to play imaginary play. I mean, we have almost no toys. Like when people come into my house, I'm like, this is the playroom. And I see them look around like what? Uh, Because there's there's like, we have like one box of Legos. Um, we have a kitchen with almost nothing in it. I think it has three things. Hmm. You know, we used to have a hundred things because I thought that was better, but it isn't, Hmm. it isn't better. They don't play with it more when they have a hundred things. Um, and then also I'm much happier because I don't have to pick up toys all the time. Yeah. Did your kids care
0: when you did that? Did they notice the change?
1: The older ones did, but I sat them down and told them mm-hmm. and I said, um, we will be happier when we have less stuff to take care of. Um, and I put things away in the closet for, I always put things away in the closet first to see if they really did miss or like something that I was planning on getting rid mm-hmm. of. Yeah, And sometimes they do pop up and they're like, I really did like that wooden farm thing that we had. Um, and so I do have toys in my closet. I just pulled them out, um. I just rotate them so that that they usually have Legos and something else. So right now my kids always have Legos and something else. And then the girls have dress up clothes that they have all the time.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's
1: great. Yeah, that's really helpful. I I love that. Here's the thing, Amber. Even if your kids get upset, you're the boss of them. And you are responsible for your own energy management. And if your energy is so low or negative – you're not being a good mom, and it doesn't matter how upset the kids are, they will move on and they will forget. And I think we've stopped, we've let the kids make too many decisions at the expense of our mental health. Mm-hmm. And we know that as soon as they say that, everyone goes, Yeah, you know, no <laughs> one challenges me on that. No, yeah. Um, and so we, we've just got to take care of ourselves so we can take care of them. Mm, that's great. And I think what they really want
0: what your kids really want is, you know, a happy, joyful mom. And, um, and that's
1: what they will remember. They right. will not remember the, you know, superhero action figure that you took away from them in March of 2019. You know, they're yeah. just not, they're not going to remember that.
0: <laughs> right. That's so great. I love that. Um, so Sterling, how would you say you have seen the Lord at work in your life the last year?
1: Well, last year uh, we got surprise pregnant. Um, so I run this goals mm-hmm. program, right, Amber? And so yeah. in January of 2018, my, no joke, my number one goal was to not get pregnant, which I said quite <laughs> publicly um, on my on my podcast, on my blog, everything. Um, and then two weeks later, <laughs> we found out we were pregnant. So um, you know that requires a great deal of humility to mm. accept. First of all, just to live a public life and then have to eat your words <laughs> when that happens. Right. Um, but not only was that such a big blow because my, my kid, my next youngest kid was four months old. So they're very close together. Um, but also I knew that I was probably going to end up on bed rest again. My, my pelvis slips out of place when I'm pregnant and I can't walk. Um, so my baby's fine. It's not a baby bed rest, but it's, I just literally can't walk. So, um, I was in bed for six months, uh, last year and, there is no way that you do not grow spiritually when you go through physical suffering. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's one of the great gifts of physical suffering um, because you can't escape it. Whereas when you're going through emotional suffering, we're, we're much better at ignoring God or not growing with him in, in those times um, because you can. But when you're going through physical suffering, there really just is no option not to grow with the lord because you just have to lean on him mm. and you have to believe that it's for a reason. Mm. And so it was a a great time for spiritual growth. I mean it's always a dark time mm. too. I mean I think when you have that much pain and you're that isolated and you can't leave the house um, you know you're certainly going to go through depression, but what so one great gift that came out of it was I read um dark night of the soul. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was just so great. And I had been wanting to read that for a while, but you know, I feel like God just kind of put me in this place where I, I I was ready to read that. I also read, um, the imitation of Christ, the life of Christ, Mm -hmm. the book that St. Ignatius read when he broke his leg and was stuck Mm -hmm. Was it a castle? I always picture that he was stuck in this castle, yeah. um, but he was stuck in some place, and that's the book that that really converted him. And I thought, well, I want to read that book, and I just I can't say enough about it. It was just one of the best books I've ever read. Um, I just struggle with recommending it because it was eighty dollars for the wow. first volume, yeah. like it was such, a, such an investment. Um, but. I guess I would recommend that to somebody stuck in bed. Like, if you're going to be stuck in bed, if you're if you're going through serious illness um, and you're really incapacitated, like, I think that is worth that investment because it is such a beautiful and moving book.
0: Mm, that's great. I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that's um, something that, you know, quite a few moms um, go through and, you know, we don't really talk about too much is difficult really difficult pregnancies, like bed rest kind of pregnancies. So do you have any other thoughts for moms who might be at that place or who, who tend to experience that when they're pregnant?
1: I, you know, I think the, the number one thing is just normalizing depression and normalizing how, how really painful and awful it is. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, we have this idea that as Christians, we should be above that. Right. Uh, Especially Catholics, because, you know, because of the idea of redemptive suffering and we think, oh, you know, we we can offer it up, we kind of feel like that means that we should be happy while we're going through that. And and that's just not true. Um, You can be really, really sad. You can be angry. You can be frustrated with God and say why have you done this and and have those real conversations it's not like he doesn't know how you feel right. you know he knows how you feel already so just tell him like he was your friend um and and just normalize that of course you're going to be depressed of course you're going to feel bad about yourself of course you're going to let a lot of house stuff slide like we've just got to to know that in that season it's okay to not be the best version of ourselves um, Your job is to be the best version of you in survival mode Mm. and in a really dark time. Mm. And so I think if you can hold yourself and give yourself mercy, that because God's already doing that for you, um, but you have to do it for you so that you're not adding guilt on top of all of the other stuff that you're going through. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's so good. That's really good. Um, So what would you say is your favorite part of your home and Why?
1: I think two, I have two chairs, one upstairs and one downstairs, which are kind of my reading space. Um, And so they're just kind of cozy chairs that have a lot of books next to them. And, you know, I read a lot and it's kind of my refuge. And I love that the kids do that too. Now Mm. Um, I'm always catching my kids curled up and reading sometimes in my chair and sometimes in a different place. But, you know, when I look at that for me, I I know I could just live anywhere if I had a, a chair and some books. Right. I just and that's why those pockets feel like what my home is really about. And you could tell I'm not, I'm not much of a cook because otherwise I think a lot of women say the kitchen is <laughs> space for them, um, but it is very clearly not <laughs> that space for me.
0: I, I love that. I'm always interested to hear uh, the responses to that question because I've even had some guests say like actually their backyard or their garden or something outside even their home. So that's great. And then what have you been loving recently?
1: Well, um, the weather here in Idaho has been um, surprisingly tame, so normally we have... I don't know, just worse winters and ours already feels like spring. So it's been really nice to get out with the kids at a time when normally we're kind of cooped up. And so I've just been really thankful for that because even two winters ago, we had this kind of snowpocalypse thing and we were all stuck inside all the time, which makes everyone go a little bit bonkers. Mm -hmm. Um, And it also wasn't fun snow. I mean, if you live in a place with lots of snow, you can play in the snow, but this was icy snow, and so it was sharp, and it would hurt the kids. So, like we would just stare at it and be like, "Oh, I wish we could play outside." But no. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Um, and so, I've, as I've gotten older, I've just learned to really appreciate unusual seasons, mm. um, whether they're extreme or mild, and just knowing that it's giving us an opportunity to to live a little bit different differently than we normally do. And just to lean into that, lean in and then just embrace whatever it is good or bad and say, okay, you know, if we're trapped inside, we're going to, this is just going to be the month of board games and hot chocolate. Mm. Um, or, you know, in our example, we're just, we're going outside and hiking in January and that's incredible. Um, and just to be thankful for that. Hmm.
0: That's a great perspective. I love that. And then my last question for you, um, which I think this breakfast thing is already a great (laughs) one, but do you have any mom hacks to share or something that's making your life a little easier right now?
1: Oh, I I do want to lean on the laundry thing again, too. I mean, it really did help me a lot when we we pared down clothes for Mm. everybody, because otherwise you're just drowning in like leggings and tops. And and then you get mad when your kids mismatch the clothes, too. You're like, that doesn't go. And how (laughs) would they know that? You know, and so having less clothes and all of my kids, every single piece of clothing that they have matches every other piece of clothing that they Mm. have. And so you have to let go of your hipster mom style a little bit to do that you know so it you know because you go to target and you're like oh that's adorable I want to see that on my three-year-old but the truth is if if the clothes don't match each other it's just gonna cause you problems later so you know all all my girls their their tops match all the bottoms and they don't have that many and we are all still living happy fruitful lives and you really can live like that and it is going to Mm. make you happier and and yes anytime that you're happier the kids just enjoy you more and that's really what we're what we're shooting for in our Mm. lives Mm.
0: That's great. I love that so much. Um, Sterling, thank you so much for chatting with me. I so appreciate it. If people wanted to um, connect with you or find you, what's where do you like to send people for that?
1: I'm pretty much the only Sterling Jake with on the planet. So it's not hard to find <laughs> okay, me. Um, but so my website is com. They can get Coffee and Pearls anywhere that they get a podcast. And then my goal setting stuff is at com. So that is a separate website for that course and my planner. And those free worksheets, you can just go print those off and and focus on goals and really make them Christ-centered. So those are the best places to find me.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much. Let me go ahead and uh, close this in a prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for uh, this time to chat today. And thank you for all the women listening. And I pray that wherever they are, if they're in a season of survival mode and chaos or, um, or organization and, and goal setting. And I just pray that, um, you would just make yourself, um, known to us, Lord, that we would, um, Know your presence and be able to practice your presence even in the mundane tasks of the day. Um, And Lord Jesus, we love you and we offer this day to you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hi, friends. Thanks for listening in today. I loved Sterling's tips for reaching out and making new friends. Understanding that we all have different personalities and preferences when it comes to having people over or getting out of the house, and also her thoughts on simplifying to help us be more joyful, sane moms. For links to everything we talked about today, including more information about Marian consecration and Sterling's books and courses, check out the show notes at diapersanddisciples.com. Until next time, you all are in my prayers. God bless.